We are trailblazers. We are scientists. We are diplomats. We are warriors. We are protectors. We are healers. We are pioneers. We are explorers. We are family. And we are the crew of the USS Arabella, boldly going where no one has gone before. Hello and welcome to The Ready Room, the Treks and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Kenny, and I play Nathan Quinn, the captain of the USS Arabella. And this is Jen. I play the Vulcan First Officer Commander Savril. And I'm Desi, otherwise known as In Stitches on the forum, and my character is Ensign Spring Mackie Farmer, botanist and a strange species <laughs> called a <the> fertilian. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Desi. We're glad to have Welcome. you. Welcome. Yes. Stand. You're our very host. our very first co co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Today's RPG briefing will feature an interview, RPG protocol, the story so far, a dramatization, and our final thoughts. Enabling special guest interview. Since Desi is our special co-co-host, we thought we would interview her for her character. So why don't uh, you first start by telling us about your character, Desi? Sure. Uh, Spring Farmer, nicknamed Mackie. Um is a fertilian. I came up with the species. Um, it's a, they have no auditory organs, so they can't hear anything, but they can smell and they emit smells as communication. Um, it's, it, I thought it would just be a lot of fun to, uh, to have somebody that couldn't hear, but that <laughs> yeah. was pretty smelly sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> She's a really, really cool character. I mean, something totally different than anything I've ever read or, or seen, so it is very cool. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And she is um, friends with my character, or one of my main characters, uh, Dr. Ryla Drett. So, they're buddies, yeah, and they, how did they meet? Um, well, we decided to set up something in the background uh, that they had met on vacation um, at a Spa in, on the on the Trill homeworld, mm-hmm. and they just had a just a perfect friendship just to start right out with. And when when I read the backgrounds of the characters, I thought that Ryla Durrett just seemed like somebody that Mackie would get along perfectly with. Yeah, because they're both very uh, friendly, outgoing, talkative people. So yeah, yeah, cool. So um, have you ever done RPGs before? Um, not like this, not at all. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons, but that's... Ooh, me too! (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm the odd person out here. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, you missed the gateway drag? (laughs) Oh, I love it. I haven't played in years, but it's so much fun. (laughs) Oh, my youth. And I've always liked funny characters. My favorite Dungeons and Dragons character was a funny character, so it's just, (laughs) it just suits me well. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, and how did you find out about our RPG? Um, through the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Okay. So you were a listener of that, and then uh, 
heard our advertisements. Oh, yeah. I just And then I started reading it, and it just looked like fun. Yeah. Great, yeah. Well, you've been a great addition to the to the crew. Yes. Hey, thanks. I agree. And Desi is the only other female writer in the RPG, so... If- oh, I know. Jim was so happy to hear that when <laughs> yes. you were going to join. <laughs> hey, we girls been- do exist. Yes. <laughs> we are anomalies, but... <laughs> yes. Oh, good way to slip that in there. A little plug for your next podcast. <laughs> All right, so um, where do you see this character going? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, she's kind of growing up during this uh, this season. Yeah, because she just graduated. Yes, just yeah. graduated, and um, her uh, her home planet is kind of mysterious. There's some, there's you know, they have some understanding of the planet, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of biological information that has <laughs> been, um, shall we say, privatized. It's just not appropriate to talk about in polite circles, and mm-hmm. even to the point where there's hardly any research that's been done about it. So I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have to make a trip to your planet for a future mission. Oh, that might stink. <laughs> <laughs> So is it a Federation planet? Yes, it has. They have joined the Federation. But, you know, like I say, there's just not a lot of biological information that they're willing to share. It's almost um, almost Vulcan in their privacy issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I think we got a good idea of her character. Yes. Yeah, I like to do try to do something funny in each one of her each one of her um, posts. Something weird happens to her. Yeah, and you achieve it. Uh, I really like the scene where she took off her conical hat and stepped on it. <laughs> she shows up in her cheap Rinfest outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was figuring it was totally Lycra and sequins and just the worst yeah. thing you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Okay, for today's RPG protocol, we have a few things we would like to discuss. Why don't you start, Jen? Okay. Um, if you create a NPC character, um, we just want to remind you to submit your ideas to us first before you post them. And um, when you're creating your profile and laying it out, there is a uh, profile template available um, under... Let's see, where is it? It's in character. It's in in, in our regular characters. Yeah, maybe we should put it in two places so people can find it in the non-character profile section as well. But if you click on the character profile link under the um, forum RPG game section. Yeah. um, Sorry. Well, yeah, I'd like to also add that when we say NPC, we mean someone that you're going to continue to play. So, uh, so it's not a main character, but someone who's going to show up more than once or twice. Because I know for Quinn, if he's just passing somebody, he'll say, oh, it's so-and-so. But if I don't ever come back to that character, you don't need to make a, a profile for them. But if you, yeah, use, if you other- use the same character over and over again, you need a profile. Yeah, so the character profile um, template is in um, the uh, section called uh, Player Character Profiles. 
and the thread is called Creating Your Character's Profile. If you click on that, there's a template there you can copy and paste and fill out. So please use that format when you create profiles. But the other thing I wanted to say is um, we have a lot of NPCs already also. Um, so rather than create another character, let's flesh out the ones that we already have. So Yeah, even if you didn't create it. That's yeah. That's another thing that writers do. I mean, when they're when they're especially like in the Star Wars universe, when they have that huge universe of books and characters, they will frequently use characters already created by other writers rather than creating new ones. So let's try to do that in our story as well. Just just to kind of flesh things out and and keep things consistent and simple. Yep. So what else? The other thing is we want to make sure that when you guys visit the Trex and Sci-Fi forums, to stop by the RPG section. People are constantly updating and they're constantly posting stuff to there. And it's, it's take it from personal experience, it gets really hard if you miss a day's worth or two days worth and you fall so far behind. And some of these posts are really great and they're really long. So if you catch them when they post them, if whenever you visit, you have a better chance of keeping up with uh, current posts. Right. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had some struggles the past few weeks, and it it is difficult. But I'm trying hard to read as much as I can. So every time you visit, you know, just stop on by and take a look. And if you don't have time, at least you know someone posted something new, and you have to go back to it and read it. Yeah, yeah. and again, you can click the notify link, that little notify button, um, on each um, thread, and that'll send you an email every time someone responds to the RPG. So you wouldn't even have to go to the forum. You would just have to read your email. Yeah. It's a pretty simple way to, of keeping track of everything. Yep. Oh, yeah. I love that feature, and I really like it when I get something from the RPG Express. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that thread has died a little bit. It hasn't been uh, played in a while. <laughs> well, we're going to have to see about that. <laughs> All right, great. So I think that's it for the RPG protocol. Accessing library computer data. Initiating the story so far. Enter when ready. All right, so we missed the the last week's ready room. So we have a few weeks to talk about on the RPG, and a lot has been happening. Um, And a lot of character building. I don't think it's been a – the story hasn't really advanced much, but – Definitely, we're all getting to know the characters a lot better. Yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, and, and they've been doing a lot of joint posts, too. I think, like, every other post is a joint post now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, like, six people in one post. Yeah. <laughs> These huge joint posts. Well, when, when there's a lot of characters involved in a scene, rather than um, put words in in that character's mouth we we've been consulting with the writers and so they may contribute just a little bit and really the the bulk of the story is written by one or two people Mm -hmm. but um that's how that's why we've been doing it just to keep the story cohesive and uh moving along and and allowing everyone to contribute to the the scene yeah well it's really working we have some really great posts Mm -hmm. i think so Cool. So what's been happening so far? Uh, I think most people have been going to sickbay. Sickbay is like the, the place to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> My invitation for a latte, I guess, has invited a bunch of people to sickbay to see Ryla. But, and yet uh, they always seem nervous when they're trying to get away. I know. Yeah. I'm like, what is Ryla doing to these poor people? 
It's like it's all she's doing is doing a a, a tricorder over them. I know. The it's not like she's. Yeah, people are just terrified. I mean, I think most of them have just bad experience previously with doctors. Yeah, yeah. So they just don't like doctors in general. As you notice, Quinn hasn't been there yet, so. Yeah. Well, Wraith wrote that his character, Catan, has. It, he's a human raised on Kronos, and he. Um, because he was so fragile compared to the Klingons, had to see doctors all the time. Yeah. And the doctors on Klingon are on a Kronos do not have bedside manners <laughs> so to speak and they don't give like sedatives or uh, painkillers and stuff so he has a very good reason for not liking doctors <laughs> yes he and does yet he I seems guess. to like one particular doctor yes. oh there we go <laughs> I see something brewing between Ryla and Katan <laughs> He asked if he could borrow the character because he wanted to create a friendship between the two. Mm-hmm. And it kind of started, I guess, last season? Yeah, yeah you guys teamed up the for the virus. virus. Yeah, yeah. They teamed up during the virus, and they became they became acquainted that way. So, yeah, the, that, I guess, he ha- um, his character has a crush on her. Yeah. So, and I'm I, not sure yet because I don't know how Ryla would react because the Trills, um, the symbiotes, don't like getting involved in relationships so we'll see how that goes yeah but it's nice and subtle it's not like blatantly you know he's going after her at least not yet no no right now i mean it is just a friendship but there's something in his writing that just makes you think hmm yeah have you read the last post it's pretty obvious no oh i haven't read that one yet okay (laughs) okay so so it is obvious it is obvious that he has some uh feelings for for the doc gotcha so well why wouldn't he He's, she's perfect. She's very nice, but she's not very Klingon-like. Um, which is why he wrote that um, that he didn't know why. He likes her. She, yeah, didn't know why he liked her so much. So let's see what else is going on. The Alorian and um, Shin have some bad blood between them. And uh, Omra and Hawkeye contributed, contributed to a joint post or two where um, Hawkeye's character, who is the chief... Um, security, security officer yeah. uh, DeColin pitted them against one another in that a hologram. <laughs> yeah, they had to fight the the, um, the town folk. Uh, the town folk who were <laughs> after them because they were uh, what do they call them? Demons. Yeah. I tell you, that guy keeps wandering around with his cricket bat. That is making me nervous. It, yes, I don't know what's up with that. Mike. Is he? Yeah, I need to ask DeColin about that. <laughs> we had a principal that had a cricket bat. <laughs> That's kind of scary. You know, I, I don't mind him having it in his office, but you're right. He does walk around with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he took it to the holodeck. Did he use it in the, the briefing? Yeah, he, he picked it, it up. The... Yeah. yeah, and he took it with him to the afterburner. <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> That's interesting. We'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, I think he needs to see Counselor Margon. Well, we already know that the con's a little messed up. <laughs> oh, that's true, too. That is true. Okay, so um, everyone's done with the holodeck, and they are starting to prepare for the mission. Um, Savril and Captain Quinn are going over the information that was sent to them from Starbase 35 on the planet, because it's kind of a secretive planet. They're protecting it sort of like they would an endangered species, because they're primitive, and they don't want any warp capable people interfering with this, the... um, development of this culture so 
nobody knows about it. There are no, there are very few details that are they're given out, I guess, or that the, the public would know about. So the information um, was given to them after they stopped at Starbase 35 to drop off Savril's parents, and they're starting to go through it, and they've got a better idea of what the planet is like. Mm-hmm what the people on this planet look like, which will be important because they have to infiltrate the people. They have to go through uh, surgical alterations. Which I think you did a great job at describing all this. Well, everyone that contributed in the out-of-character section, we had a discussion on what these people would look like, and I tried to use every one of the suggestions given to me in that section. So um, we've decided that they have long pointed ears i guess they look more like wood elves would mm-hmm. you know from from the um oh no i forgot to give you guys my suggestions <laughs> what was your suggestion <laughs> that they were filled with pixie sticks and if you hit them they exploded <laughs> <laughs> oh i think you'll need to edit that jen we'll, we'll need no let's leave it in <laughs> no no i meant you'll need to edit your post and add that to the description oh okay then. yeah <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Leave it to Desi. (laughs) (laughs) So, aside from the pixie dust, (laughs) they are uh, blue. They're different colors. They're like blue, green, um, turquoise, (laughs) and uh, black um, people, depending on the the different continents that they come from, because this is a huge planet. Yeah. And so... We've learned that, and that there's, uh, you know, different regions that are go from desert to to ice and um, forests and all kinds of stuff. So, um, should be a, they have that? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna I'm say sorry. should be a cool away mission. Yes, and again, their their culture is equivalent to the European medieval culture. So, yeah, we haven't described what that looks like yet. It may not be exactly the same, but they're close enough. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, they've decided to uh, so, so forwarded this information to all the department heads and set up a, another briefing for 0800 hours the next day. And today, as of today, it's like 7 o'clock at night and the uh, meeting is 13 hours away. So there you go. By the time, by the time this airs, we'll probably have already had the briefing and we'll start our mission. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Alrighty, cool. Okay, this was a joint post written by uh, Moyer777 and me. Spray Mackie Farmer dashed down the corridor. She didn't want to be late to her first training with the senior officers. So far, she had only met Savril, the chief science officer, and she wanted to make a good impression. The train of the dress flipped around and tripped her, but she caught herself on a bulkhead. She grabbed at the long flap of glittery fabric and threw it over her arm, hiked up her skirts, and sped to the turbo lift door. She was just pushing the tall conical hat back on top of her head when the door slid open, revealing the chief counselor, Margon. He was dressed in utilitarian leathers and looked reasonably comfortable, in stark contrast to the stretchy, sequined fabric Spring had stuffed herself into. He smelled amused. She stepped inside and flung the trailing veils from her face. Ensign Farmer, I presume. The counselor caught her as she tripped again on the high-heeled shoes. Almost as quickly as she fell, the soot on the counselor's hands soiled the bright pink cloth of her outrageous gown. Sorry about that, Ensign. Is this the costume you are really wearing on our adventure? He smiled. 
Well, it's not the new uniform. A sweet, fruity smell encompassed the fertilian as she mentally backpedaled. Uh, sir, I'm afraid we should do some more research before you enter the holodeck. Not only have I made a mess out of your gown, but I think you might be overdressed for the occasion. Have you been reading romantic ancient Earth novels? When I pulled up Camelot on the computer in my quarters, this was the suggested costume. She scratched at her midsection. Ginny helped me to personalize it, though. The counselor halted the turbo lift and looked at Spring. Besides your uncomfortable clothing, how are things going? He asked in a warm tone. I can imagine this has been somewhat of an uncomfortable experience so far. Well, they say your first assignment either takes you or breaks you, but I think, I think, you have quite a challenge on your hands with your roommate. But it's one that I think you are up to. He smiled again, and the turbo lift resumed. Oh, Mackie adjusted the sparkling golden hat, but only succeeded in setting her blonde wig even further askew. She started to blow out a reassuring cloud of scent, but was hampered by the gland covers. Jimmy and I are getting along. She's great. It's good to be around someone who's so driven. Yes, but you will probably need to establish some boundaries, or you could easily burn out with a roommate who never sleeps. I believe you are up to that. Boundaries. Mackie paused and frowned. Let me put it this way. I haven't had a rock to Gino since I met her. I don't need one. He looked at her and tried not to laugh. I think you both have a little to learn about Earth history. Your roommate helped you pick something from an ancient Earth comedy, not the authentic medieval ages. If you'd like, we can proceed to the holodeck and order up the appropriate clothing. The counselor liked the ensign. She was fascinating. He hadn't ever spent any time with her species and was pleasantly surprised by her sincerity and sense of humor. So we're reading Wraith 1701's post. Back in the tactical briefing room, Lieutenant Commander Catan stepped from behind his podium. Hands clasped behind his back, he took several confident steps toward the gathered group, stopping a few feet short of the first row of seats. Slowly scanning the group to meet as many eyes as possible, he continued his speech. Centuries ago, a visionary named Zephyrin Cochran had a wild dream. He dreamed of doing the impossible, of traveling faster than the speed of light, and pushing the boundaries of humankind's knowledge. Using nothing but his own determination and the scraps left over from the Earth's last world war, Cochrane made that dream into a reality. Not only did he break the light barrier, he made humanity's first contact with an extraterrestrial race. This one man, fueled by a desire to excel, helped usher in an era of unprecedented exploration. With his historic flight, he planted the seeds for the founding of the Federation, and his ultimate defining dream still lives on today and serves as one of the central tenets of the Federation, to seek out new life and to boldly go where no one has gone before. Catan made a sweeping gesture, encompassing the entire group. That dream lives on today in each and every one of you. Whether you realize it or not, all of you are the living embodiment of that dream. Each of us share Cochrane's desire to expand our knowledge, to find our own boundaries, and to push past them. If it weren't for this fact, you wouldn't be where you are today. Captain Quinn has personally pulled all of you together because he saw in each of you that potential to live up to that dream. 
we have been charged with carrying Cochrane's torch forward and continued the pursuit of his dream of universal peace and exploration. Catan paused for a moment. Somewhere in the back of the room, Ensign Dunn's heart skipped a beat as the gravity of Catan's words hit home for the young Ensign. Catan's expression turned suddenly grim. Unfortunately, there exist force in the galaxies that don't share our aspirations. The universe is a vast and wondrous place, but it also holds dangers. And that's where we come in. As tactical officers, it is both our duty and our privilege to shield the ship and her crew from that danger. As I mentioned earlier, this ship represents the cutting edge of Federation technology. Many of our weapons upgrades have yet to be introduced to the rest of the fleet. Some of you might be asking yourselves, why focus on weapons? We're interstellar diplomats, aren't we? Well, an ancient Earth politician had a saying, diplomacy is the ability to walk quietly but carry a big stick. Catan paused until the obligatory chuckles died down. I believe that to be true, but there's a quote from a famous Earth industrialist that is even more accurate. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. Which brings us to the point of this meeting. In the spirit of Zephyrin Cochran, we are going to push for more. Together, we are going to see how far we can push the previously established limits of the tactical systems at our disposal and make sure that the Arabella is carrying the biggest stick in town. The chief tactical officer turned and placed a hand on the shoulder of the man standing next to him. Lieutenant Otak here is one of the most capable phaser techs I've ever had the pleasure to work with. His grasp of plasma flow rates and nadia emission standards is so impressive, one would almost think he served as an engineer in a previous life. I have therefore appointed him head of our phaser test team. I'm going to turn the meeting over to him now. I look forward to reviewing the progress that the team makes. Katan stepped away from the podium, gesturing for Otak to step forward. Lieutenant? Yes, sir, Otak said. The lieutenant quickly stepped up to deliver his report. Each system on the Lakar's display lit up as he mentioned them. The Arabella is armed with 13 Type 12 arrays distributed across the ship to provide a nearly 360-degree sphere of coverage. Each array is comprised of multiple emitters, each of which can put out up to 8 megawatts of power per second. Through careful modulation of its iris control valves, our current fire control algorithms allow the energy of up to six emitter sections to be combined, creating a maximum power output of just over 16 megawatts per second. This rivals the power output of the current Type 10 arrays utilized by most Starfleet vessels. Our current maximum range is 300,000 kilometers. Each staff member nodded along with the presentation. So far, they weren't hearing anything they didn't already know. With a smile of growing confidence, Otak continued. Commander Catan has a couple of theories that should increase both the range and the power output of our phaser arrays. Our task will be to see if we can put those theories into practice. Catan quietly looked on as Lieutenant Otak gradually fell into a comfortable rhythm and nodded to himself in approval. The phaser specialist was finally beginning to realize his leadership potential. After watching the assembled officers productively brainstorming for several minutes, Catan turned to head for his office. A mission briefing of the senior staff was scheduled for 0800 the following morning, and he wanted to spend some more time reviewing the documentation that had been forwarded to him by Commander Savril. 
As he stepped out of the dimly lit conference room into the bright hallway running the length of the tactical department, Catan smiled to himself. He was about to venture out into uncharted territory, accompanied by some of the finest officers in the Federation. Life was good. Today, for our post of the week, we have a special dramatization. This short drama is based on three RPG posts written by myself and Omra. First Officer's Log, Stardate 60655.87 I have forwarded the documentation relevant to our mission to each department head. I have scheduled a staff meeting for 0800 hours tomorrow morning, allowing ample time for data review, as well as the formulation of questions, opinions, and strategy suggestions. Each of our department chiefs will be present at the meeting, as well as any officer believed capable of offering dynamic contributions to our discussion. Given the fact that Dr. Peterson will join the away team, I have extended an invitation to Dr. Dredd, as she will be performing necessary surgical alterations. Zavril ended the recording, stood from her chair in the first officer's office, and walked to the replicator alcove to dispose of the empty teacup she had been restlessly rotating in her hands. Earlier in the day, she had left her parents at Starbase 35 and discovered that Captain Bell was still alive. It was now afternoon on the second day of their voyage, and it felt as though they had been traveling for a month. It was time for a brief respite and for much-needed meditation. The Vulcan slung the black case that housed her violin over her shoulder and headed for what she had calculated to be the most acoustically supreme sight aboard the Arabella. She wound her way through the corridors for an entrance and waited for the busy passage to clear before accessing the Jeffreys tube and climbing to the target location at the heart of the ship. The Vulcan cleared the last rung and sat within the junction of 50A and 60A. Placing the case at her side, she carefully released the catches and opened the lid to reveal the beautiful lacewood violin resting inside. Savril grasped the neck and lifted the instrument from its green, velvet bay before reaching for the bow stowed in the lid of the case. Tucking the rest between her neck and chin, she brought it perpendicular to her body and slowly pulled the bow over the strings. In her skilled hands, the instrument created a harmonious resonance which hummed pleasantly within the environment that moments before had been musically sterile. She closed her eyes before erupting into a furious performance as the emotions that had welled within her surged through her delicate fingers. They danced as though charged with energy over the fingerboard as she emptied herself of the harmful emotion that she could no longer suppress. Music had become an outlet for purging the unwanted feelings, for the traditional Vulcan techniques had their limits now that the virus had damaged her capability to suppress them. The beauty of the composition that coursed through her rivaled the masters. If she were to perform in public, one might say that the power of her music correlated with the force of emotion that she poured into each note. Yet, the Vulcan played for no one's enjoyment. Not even her own. Follow-up post written by Omra. Deep within the metal bowels of the Arabella, where a human would feel claustrophobic and cut off from all hope, a crystalline spider enthusiastically busied herself with her engineering duties. The confines and strange architecture of this domain were not a hindrance to her. She enjoyed the solitudes these assignments gave her. Her fine limbs reached into areas no humanoid appendages could reach. The fine silica on her underbelly picked up an unexpected resonance. She secured the relay she was working on and scurried along the trunk line following the sound. She entered the hub and stopped in surprise. 
It was music. She laughed in surprise and sheer enjoyment, her mirthful tones sounding like wind chimes. She had not expected to be serenaded at work. This ship was indeed full of surprises. This would remain her personal secret. If she were to let this slip, her benefactor may not return, and she would be deprived of more of these beautiful concerts. She was unfamiliar with the instrument being used, but whoever was wielding it was a true master, and it was played with such vigor and intensity. She rested for a while and allowed the music to wash over her, enjoying the way the sound waves resonated with her glass-like carapace. As enjoyable as the musical pieces were, Hamilkai's are workaholics, and she could not truly be happy unless she was multitasking. Kiltik sighed as she looked at her log and sought out her next assignment. She hoped it would be somewhere that would allow her to continue to listen to the musical performance. This was a follow-up post to Ulmer's post, written by myself. The unexpected summons caused her eyes to open abruptly, and her violin to make its first unpleasant sound as the bow tersely scratched the strings in an awkward arrest. She gently laid the violin in her lap as the call was repeated. Lieutenant Zrem to Commander Savril. Somewhat disoriented and intoxicated by the frenzied emotional release, she replied with a slight slurring of words. Yes? I hope I'm not interrupting. I know our department briefing isn't for another thirty minutes, but I thought you and I could touch base beforehand. The diligence that Savril admired in Chafras's rem had been the primary reason she'd chose him for her assistant chief science officer. Though she was on break, the commander had no intention of discouraging his enthusiasm. Of course, Lieutenant, said the commander as she placed her instrument in its case and pulled the strap onto her shoulder. She paused midway up the ladder as her peripheral vision registered movement in the tube on her left. The Vulcan remained still on the rung a moment as she listened. When nothing came, she continued to advance to the access she originally entered. The science briefing room was very near the access. Savril opened the door cautiously, sneaking a peek to ensure that no one was nearby before quickly making her way to the small meeting room. The door hissed open to reveal the tall Andorian science officer, waiting in a chair at the end of the long, black table. Command codes verified. Activating final thoughts. Okay, for today's final thoughts, I think we just have really a, just a one thing is we're still requesting audio readings or audio dramas or comments about the Ready Room podcast or comments about the RPG game. Um, we're not picky. And I guess um, we, could, we should probably explain how people could make MP3s if they've never done that before, recorded their own voice. Yes. Um, there is a program that I think Rico uses to create or to uh, record the um, Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Called, oh, yeah. It's called Audacity, and it's free. Um, you can just Google Audacity and download it in either Mac or PC format. And use it to record whatever you want. It's it's got lots of features that are pretty user friendly. Um, I don't have very much knowledge on audio recording software, but um, I've just figured it out, and now I record my own podcast. But um, all you need is a microphone, either either one that you can buy from Radio Shack, Walmart, any place like that. With mm-hmm. it could be um, a headset with a mic or just a standalone mic and record something and there are other ways of doing it too you can just use a digital recorder if you wanted to if it was one that you could download onto your pc and send that to the ready room at um is it the ready room at gmail 
Yeah, it's the, re- the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can send it to um, our e- personal email addresses that you can find in our um, forum profiles. Yes. So, And we would just also like to extend an invitation for you to join um, the Treks and Sci-Fi forums if you're just a guest who frequents um, the boards and likes to read um, the RPG. The, the community there is very friendly, and nobody flames each other for the most part. And when they do, they get kicked off really quickly. <laughs> um, so come on over and say hi to us. We'd like to hear your comments. Yes, um, definitely. Or your ideas on Trek or anything else that the forum talks about. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're just, we just want to hear more from the people on why they like the RPG, why they like the Ready Room. Um, I know several people are doing music submissions for us. So if you're a musician and you want to get some of your stuff played on the Ready Room and it's sci-fi-ish, then go ahead and email it to us. Um, you can get to the forums at www.treksandsci-fi.com and then click on the forums link and there's a whole RPG section there for you to enjoy. We're on our seventh season, so there's quite a bit of reading that you guys can do. And I think uh, other than just I want to say thank you to Desi and Stitches for participating in the uh, the Ready Room and her wonderful readings. Yes, thank you very much for participating. Oh, I had a blast. Good. Well, I definitely have to have you on again, and you definitely have to do some readings for us because you definitely have a knack for it. Thank you. Great. And I think that's it. So this is Kenny. And this is Jen. And this is Desi. Oh, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> we we didn't tell her she she could. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just people automatically get it. But yeah, okay. I thought it was. I was My whole telepathy's not working today. No, no, sorry. All right, so we'll start again. This is Kenny. And this is Jen. This is Desi. Haley frequencies closed. I am Locutus, a Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life, as it has been, is over. From this time forward, you will service us. The Ready Room theme and other RPG music was composed by Rick Moyer. All other music was obtained through the PodSafe Music Network. Read more about the adventures of the USS Arabella at treksandsci-fi.com. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to The Ready Room, please listen to the Anomaly Podcast, where female and fandom converge.